uh, yeah, and you shouldn't be able to say that your that a woman's can belongs to you. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, welcome back to another riveting, breathtaking episode of the greatest podcast on earth, Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords. Today I have with me an old pal, Luke Knapp. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you've got a really cool album for us here. What, uh, what did you choose today? So I chose an album that uh, I wasn't even sure how to pronounce before I, I looked it up. It's an album I've been listening to for at least 15 years, and I never bothered to look at the pronunciation because uh, it's a weird spelling. But the album is The Style by The White Stripes. The Style. The Style. Yeah, man. I, uh, I had to look that up, too. It's like D-E-S-T-I-J-L. That's right. Okay. It's a Dutch or Norwegian style of art. That's about simplicity. Son of a bitch. Well, I think that is trivia question number one. So remember that for later. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, let's talk about music news. Music news. All right. Today in music news, uh, this one is a couple days out of date. Uh, but by the time this episode comes out, it'll already be like several months out of date. So who's counting? Um, Phoebe Bridgers went on SNL and performed two songs and she smashed her guitar at the end of the last song. And it has caused an uproar. Luke, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, is this a is this a women a women posting L's uh, following account that you have here, John? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> are we are we are we taking this as an L because uh I think she did a bad job. I think uh I think her form was off. It's been pointed out that if you're gonna smash a guitar, you wanna grab it up around the, the first or second fret and and really wail on it so you can get some weight behind it. Um you know, I'm not I'm not you know, I'm not saying that she shouldn't have smashed her guitar. I think she should have just done a better job. That's that's my hot take. Interesting take, man, because most of the takes so far have, have been about you know, whether or not she should have done it. Um, I agree with you. I think it was sick as fuck. She did it. But yeah, she uh, did not actually do a very good job of smashing that guitar. Yeah. And uh, apparently, uh, I'm sure you saw the tweet where somebody asked uh, David uh, Crosby what he thought of it. And uh, he thought it was bad. And then she replied to him that he's a little bitch, <laughs> uh, which is a funny reply, but it's also like, as an old as an old white man myself, I'm like this 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 little lady needs to respect her elders a little bit, you know. <laughs> how, how dare she come at the come at the, the god like that? Um, but David was, Crosby, god of folk rock, and a fellow uh, Santa Barbara, I oh, believe yeah? me and him uh, lived there at about the same time, or I guess he owned a home there when I was living there. I don't know. Did you see the uh, the? I don't know if this is a true story or not, but. Somebody reported that apparently the monitor that she she smashed the guitar on was one that Trump used during his fucking 
appearance on SNL like uh, in 2016 <laughs> or whatever. And so it's like this epic girl boss smashes oh. patriarchy on <laughs> multi-million dollar show ran by multi-millionaire people that you know she also is probably very wealthy now with her successful albums it's just like that kind of rubbed me the wrong way after that but I, that could be complete uh bs i don't know well that's i mean it's probably true but the thing is is like that's the monitor that's been there for every single guest every single like that obviously that's been on the stage for every goddamn episode for the last 10 years or whatever like it's it's a stretch to say like this is the one that Trump used. Like, yeah, it's what the one that every guest used. Like, fucking when Alanis Morissette was on there, like, was that an attack on Alanis Morissette or like what? You know, like, are we sure she wasn't anti-feminist with that move? Phoebe Bridgers is is taking a stance against Peyton Manning and all <laughs> and all the other fabulous hosts over the years of SNL. There you go. I like that anti-NFL rhetoric from Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. Well, I mean, good for her. Uh, The last thing I'll say is that if that Dan Electro didn't take any damage, I swear to you that that monitor did not take any damage either. So, hey, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Um, Let's do this thing, man. Luke, who are you and why should we trust you? My name is Luke. I am uh, a trustworthy person because I was raised very religious and so I would never tell a lie to anybody. (laughs) Certainly about artwork. Um, uh, let's see, why else would you trust me? I am a guitarist, uh, of some, of some, uh, talent, medium talent, medium, medium talent. Uh, I am a singer songwriter of some medium talent, uh, for a band called Big Softy, which we helped produce our, uh, the EP. You're pr- pretty much the second band member in Big Softy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, the White Stripes, I asked to do this album in particular. I had to like, I had to really hem and haw over which album to pick because I do love all of their music so much. Um, but I settled on this one, and we'll get into reasons why. But uh, Jack White and the White Stripes are hugely formative over uh, my singing and songwriting. I think you know uh, we'll get into it. But his his songwriting talent and uh, his guitar playing talent uh, is, is huge, and I think you'd have to be a fool not to recognize that. Yeah, man, it was cool listening to this thing and thinking about music of yours that I've seen and like your ability to really just bang out a song with just you and an acoustic guitar, you know, like, um, I feel like the shit I write, it like doesn't sound correct until there's two guitars, a bass, drums and like, you know know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas like, uh, I was I was really drawn to your music when I heard it because the lyrics can stand on their own as great lyrics and the and uh, it, it's just you and the guitar, and it totally works that way, which is cool as hell. Um, so I can totally see that coming from the simplistic stylings of Jack and Meg White here. Um, real quick, it actually reminds me, what, uh, what is your, you want to shout out any socials uh, for yourself, for your music? Uh, yeah, you can find Big Softy on Spotify and Apple Music and all those sources. My main uh, feed that I use right now is at Always Humpin on Twitter without the G. Uh, I post too much and to varying degrees of quality and success. Uh, I'm currently locked down right now just to be safe, but uh, we'll, we'll open back up. And if anybody requests a follow, and I see that uh, you're also followed by Mr. Pegli Asadi, I will, uh, I will let you in behind the, behind the gate, as it were. Hell yeah. 
Well, nobody knows my my Twitter handle. Mm. IRL. I'm a that's like an anonymous account. It's like not really anonymous. But I just don't really spread it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I use mine. Uh, like I said, it's locked down right now just to be safe. But uh, yeah, it's 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 my main my main social. If 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 you want to follow somebody on Twitter, otherwise give my music a listen, and I really appreciate it. Absolutely. While you're checking out Luke on Spotify, um, go ahead and follow this podcast too, Bands, Beers, Buzzwords. Uh, follow Redefining Records too. Um, that's the music blog that this is a part of. Um, the other sister pod on there is Sounds for Thought with host uh, and founder of the blog, Mr. Andrew Schultz. Um, he does a cool thing where he gets indie musicians on to talk about their own music and their own writing process. So it's a cool counterpart to this pod um and then follow me i'm delta dagger music on instagram uh, that's where i'm going to be posting updates for this podcast um follow redefining records on there too um i think that's it for for socials right buy delta dagger's music on Bandcamp. yes buy my music please buy my merch i have merch uh on threadless get some uh, stickies Get the stickies. There are stickers. There are throw pillows. The throw pillows are nice. I have yet <laughs> to actually handle one in person, but the couple people I've sent them to love them. So throw That's pillows. Awesome. Get those. Um, shit, man. Distigil. Distyle. Uh, straight up. First things first. You already touched on it. But why don't you go into why you picked this album? Uh, I picked this album because it's their sophomore effort. It's. Uh, I think it's the most. It's certainly. I think definitely the the shortest if not maybe the second shortest album i think you said it clocked in about 37 minutes or so that's uh, right and it there's no there's no fat on the album i looked at i took i looked at like elephant i think and it had like 16 songs and towards the end of the album i'm like i don't really want to talk about this song or whatever and i looked at um some of their later efforts that i really like i, lo I love icky thump and i love get behind me satan but there are tracks on there that I feel like are, you know, skippable tracks if you were going to make a greatest hits compilation of the White Stripes. Whereas this album, I think there's maybe one song on it that I don't absolutely love and I don't have something to talk about. Um, I think it is them at their simplest. And I think it, uh, upon really listening to it, rediving and, and looking at the time frame of the events between Jack and Meg White, it, uh, it, it is like their rocks. It's almost a breakup album I discovered upon some research of mine. Yeah, man, it's interesting you say that. I'm going to stop you real quick because you have hit our first buzzword here. Okay. Uh, you've actually you've actually hit two. Oh, um, so the one you just hit was say the word raw. Uh, you got that. <laughs> and then uh, mention a band you used to be in. I'm going to go ahead and just count uh, uh, the Big Softy project, even though that's still ongoing. I just okay. want to. I just want to get you for two. Okay. So that's that's two drinks for you, brother. Okay. Um, I'll I'll uh tell the audience here if you're tuning in for the first time the way that the buzzwords portion of the game works here. I have twenty buzzwords here. They're words, phrases, tropes uh, that I'm going to be baiting Luke into saying throughout the show here. Every time he says one, uh, you're gonna hear that air horn. I'm gonna stop him. He's gonna take a drink, and I encourage you. The listener at home to grab a beverage of choice and drink along with us here responsibly if you can do that um let me cut real quick i'm going to tell you guys at home what the buzzwords are uh luke is not going to know them though until the end here we go <laughs> okay. 
was disgusting. This week's buzzwords are mention the black keys, use an onomatopoeia, talk about your middle school music taste, mention Led Zeppelin, name a specific guitar or bass, mention a band you used to be in, refer to an album in post-1990 as a record, use the phrase ahead of its time, recite lyrics, mention Led Zeppelin, oh why did I put that on there twice? Say the word raw, say the word drink, mention a part of a drum kit, tell a drinking story, describe the sound as warm, mention a music video, joke about Meg being Jack's sister, talk about jazz, say vintage, and mention punk. All right, welcome back. So those are the buzzwords for the week. Um, so be listening for me to bait Luke into those. John, I don't want to. I don't want to mess with your flow here, but uh, I actually need to go run and get a, a third beer and a fourth beer because I have a feeling I'm going to be hitting some buzzwords, and I just, I just killed my beer that I was drinking. So I don't think... <laughs> Absolutely, man. Go, go for it. I'll be fast, but be right back. Oh, oh, shoot! That wasn't lineup. He's not back yet. Guys, can we play the music one more time? Yeah. Okay. One more. Now. Okay. Thank you, sweetie. I'm back. Nice. That was fast. Yeah, I'm quick. Do we do we need to give a shout out to what we're drinking? Yeah. What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a vitamin R Rainier beer. Uh, a uh, Portland and Seattle local i don't know do you get those down in socal uh it, it's called vitamin r it's called rainier oh rainier uh, and the uh one of the uh it's got a big r on the side of it so that's kind of the the, the nickname is vitamin r oh and like they, it's a big pill <laughs> yeah and they had a uh, a successful ad campaign in the 70s and 80s where's a guy revving a motorcycle and go rainier beer Pretty good, pretty pretty good little ad. So they're That's they're good. They're local favorites, and uh, they are the AAA affiliate team for uh, the Mariners. Are named the Tacoma Rainiers, so they have a little tie-in sponsorship there. No shit, I had no idea, man. Yeah, buddy. Um, I'll have to look for that. I hearing how popular that is, it's gotta be around down here. I'd be surprised if it wasn't, but I have not been uh, drinking a ton of beer. Mm. Keto life. Keto life. Uh, what I'm drinking tonight, though, is I did find this Corona Premier. Mm-hmm. Only 2.6 grams of carbs per beer uh, and zero sugar. So I can pound these all night long and uh, stay keto. So that's what I'm drinking. How many cows are in one of those bad boys? Uh, 90 calories. That's so not, not bad. too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really not too bad. And uh yeah, they're they're pretty good. I mean, they taste like a Corona Light is exactly what it tastes like. So, um, in fact, they're a little less sugary. You know, sometimes you pound a couple Coronas and you get a little phlegmy, like sugary. I don't know if you get that, but I do. Yeah, yeah. It's these you like really don't get that. It's like actually a little bit better that there's no sugar in it. It's fucked up, man. But there you go. <laughs> um, where were we? We were talking about the record. Let's do this. 
I'm going to go a little out of order here, but you mentioned that there was one track on the album that you kind of don't like. Let's start with, let's do your favorite track and then compare it to your least favorite tracks. What's your favorite track on the whole album? Okay, my favorite, I have, if I was going to do like a top five of all White Stripes songs, I think two songs on this album show up in that top five. One of them is a cover. The other one that is an original White Stripes song the truth doesn't make a noise i think oh hell yeah i think it is not only in terms of songwriting and like quality the the tone that he gets on that on that electric that comes in over the acoustic and the piano it's such a it's such a sweet fucking tone and uh and he it shows up on a few other songs but I, yeah that's that's my number one it's interesting you say that there were four tracks on this record that i put a, a little star next to and one of them was truth doesn't make a noise and i think that that one is like my biggest star like that one to me is my favorite as well i i think it had the most complex soundstage on the whole album i loved the piano uh sweet guitar riffage you're right he did a great job on that electric it's maybe the most conventional sounding electric on the record but i think uh that's a good thing in this case um it's a nice funny enough that the most conventional tone serves as a breath of fresh air on the album it's cool that he was able to compose the whole album that way well um, so are yeah. you how familiar are you with the uh their their they, their debut album like have you listened to their surf their surf titled album at all before i don't think so what 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 would be a song are there any like big hits off of it uh i don't think they have any super big hits off of it because they didn't really get popular until uh their next album when uh seven nation army and stuff came out uh let me pull pull it up real quick and see what the biggest hit off of it would be but my my point being is that it's it's super i'm gonna say it again i'm gonna take a drink it's super raw and even in a more grungy punk rock like every song is this super hardcore distortion and reverb and uh and and i don't there's not too many songs that have that sort of more chilled back tone that he brings into uh truth doesn't make a noise hell yeah uh, i'm gonna hit you with this one mentioned punk is one of the buzzwords okay okay i'll take it <laughs> uh his uh here uh uh there's no like big songs i think that he's got a song called when i hear my name that i really like on there uh, Broken Bricks was a popular song that when I first started learning how to play guitar, uh, that was like a fan tab site that they had other stuff besides what would be on Ultimate Guitar or whatever. Um, they have another song on there called The Big Three Killed My Baby, which is about the uh, Detroit automakers uh, fucking up Detroit. And um, I'm, I'm going to take a swing that Detroit is another buzzword. Am I right there? It's actually not funny uh, enough. Okay. Damn yeah yeah but yeah uh, it's definitely a different uh a different vibe on that first album that it's it's not my favorite album of theirs but it's still pretty good and it's it's 43 minutes long and there's 17 songs again like they they this one's a lot more refined punk balance the style the style um that's funny man yeah i uh they they uh they do kind of embody that um sort of rust belt uh like i feel it like it's it's kind of legit like learning a bit of their history and hearing they're from detroit like there was the there was a detroit blues scene and and there's the you know kind of that rust belt like that that's what you sing about in the blues like you don't come from like a super 
wealthy, like well-off area and sing the blues, you know, it's like, uh, it, it's very legit, man. It lends a lot of credence to what they're doing here. I, I love that. Um, yeah. I, I found that today listening to it and I, I went through and took notes and stuff. And, uh, they talk about money a lot in terms of not having money, needing money for the, to call the operator, you know, running out of money. They can't afford things. People aren't nice to them because they don't have money. It seems to be a reoccurring theme because these guys, like they weren't trust fund kids, you know, they came from Detroit. He was a worked at upholstery shop. Yeah. And who knows what Meg did? Meg is a Meg is a, an enigma. Yeah, who who is Meg White? Meg White, uh she's a babe. She's an absolute smoke show, a dime piece. <laughs> a, a ten of ten, like my first crush, uh, you know, celebrity crush. But um from like all the reviews and stuff, I watched um they had a they had a documentary that was really good called Under the Northern Lights. Did you ever see that? I have not. The only appearance I've seen Jack White in was, uh, what's the fucking, uh, it might, it might get, get loud. loud. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They, um, they did a tour of like small little cities in Canada and it's, it's like a black and white documentary of them going to these little tiny towns all over the place. Um, and in that whole movie, she says maybe three or four words, but, um, yeah, Meg is, Meg is weird. She, uh, I watched one of those videos that was like, where, where, what happened to the white stripes? Where are the white stripes now? Kind of thing, you know? And uh, she's just kind of disappeared off the map. And there's been a few times where he's talked about her in interviews and whatever. And uh, he has to go back and retract kind of what he says later because he says some kind of rude things about her now that she's kind of out of the band. Um, about him, like basically having to rearrange or like arrange every song and write every song, and uh, and her kind of just being there playing the drums or whatever, you know. And he has to go back later and be like, actually, I didn't mean that. She's an integral part of the White Stripes. I love Meg. I hope she's doing well. Psych, 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 psych. classic move he gets like a cease and desist letter and he's like actually it's the same thing i had to do where it's parody satire not actionable (laughs) actually (laughs) well it's like at one point uh i guess i don't know if it's still like this but the last one of the last times he was asked a question about her in an interview he basically said that she had stopped taking his phone calls so oh jesus there's no and he said like she's always been a hermit sort of even when they were married uh that the, that the, she was kind of a hermit and he would have to go over to her house to see what was going on he couldn't just call her on the phone it's interesting yeah i don't think that would be a fun person to be in a band let alone a, a marriage with but maybe that's just me yeah that seems tough although i i have some opinions about jack white as I won't get into it. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear. You said you think this is a male manipulator gaslighting album. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> okay, that was a joke because that song wasn't even written by the White Stripes. We'll get right. it there. But yeah, no, I've always I've always thought of Jack White as a little bit of a a little bit of a. a how do I put this? Prima Donna. Yeah, yeah, yeah could, that's a good I, way to put it. I can I, see like, that. I, I almost wonder if like Meg is just like, get the fuck out of my life. You asshole kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I will say that uh, my, my, one of my theories or things that I wanted, my hot takes that I wanted to talk about on this show is that I think he is, like you said, he is, uh, I would say he is hottie. You know, he's like, thinks he's hot shit, but at the same time, 
I would I would say that he's one of like the last like rock stars in terms of like my dad knows who Jack White is. My mom yeah. knows my mom knows who Jack White is. Like people from age, you know, fifteen to, to seventy know who Jack White is. And I think I don't think there's too many of those guys around who are under the age of forty. It's true. Know? And it's true. Uh, yeah, and I think I think their their run of albums and even the music that he's making now is still pretty good for an artist to be able to do that for twenty years. Impressive. That's true. That's absolutely true. And I would I would say this too is my opinion of him did change for the better after kind of like going through this album and listening to it. It lent him a little more cred. Um, although I had heard an interesting story that maybe not long after this record, because I, I I think I had read it somewhat coincided with his uh, breakup with Meg is that um, he was like kind of uh, like blackballed from the Detroit music scene. Like he kind of burnt too many bridges and that's, that's kind of like why he moved. He eventually moved out to like, like rural Tennessee or something. Right. And, and I had, I had heard that's because he burnt so many bridges in the Detroit scene that he like couldn't get a gig there anymore and had to move. I don't know if that's true, but that's, that's something I read a long time ago. And I, I may be, only remembering that as a cherry picked, uh, you know, confirmation of my existing opinions of him. So I, you know, I don't know. You, I could fact, I, fact check me on that. Fact I could totally me. see that. I could totally see that. I could also see that people are just like jealous of this guy who's getting our record yeah. contract and, and leaving. Yeah, uh, people are full of shit and jealous assholes. That's absolutely a possibility too. <laughs> but I know that I know that he started as a drummer in a different band, and and then started hanging out with Meg and, and making Meg and that's stripes so i could definitely see him burning bridges but i was surprised that like the rack and tours took such a long break i was surprised that they came back and uh made music after being off for like six or seven years so i figured that maybe he had fucked something up there too sure sure uh what what was the rock on tours because i because uh, this was him and meg um and then he obviously has a ton of stuff is just jack white who what, what was the story with the rock on tours uh the Rocketeers, I think their first album came out in like 2006 and 2006, 2007, uh, which was sort of in between their last two White Stripes albums. And they put out that album that had Steady As She Goes was like the big single off of that. Oh, and, yeah. And then they put out another album that I really like called Salute Your Solution that wasn't as popular, but still has some really good guitar riffs on that. And then they took a really long break and they just came back. I guess, fuck, it would have been two summers ago because I went and saw them live. It was like the last concert I saw before COVID. Uh, you still there? Yeah, I muted because I'm trying to take a piss real quick. <laughs> okay, I'll just talk. Uh, take your piss. Uh, yeah, I saw them live. It was the last show I saw live before COVID, I think, in like last August. And it was a huge deal because I'd always wanted to see Jack White live because as you can tell him, the Jack White stand for, uh, for him. And I wasn't going to get a chance to see the White Stripes ever again. And I don't think that he's ever going to play with the Dead Weather again. And I didn't want to see a solo Jack White show at the Rose Garden or whatever in Portland in a big, big, huge venue. So, yeah, go ahead, uh, keep kissing. I'll keep talking. What are, what are the... Uh, what are the listeners, you know, I want to know what the listeners can call in, uh, right in to the show. Oh, you're back. Okay. 
Yeah, Colin, uh, we have the uh, wild card line and then the uh, west of the Rockies line. Uh, <laughs> first time caller line. Uh-huh. Uh, you can text us too. You ever listen to that, Coast to Coast AM? No, but is there a slime line? Can you call in and get slimed? Yeah, we could arrange that. Yeah. We can arrange that. We can uh, we can use our production. Uh, I mean, we've got look. The, you may not think it, but this podcast has quite the production budget. We can we can get slime effects if we want slime effects. I'm I'm covered in gold right now. I'm gold plated. <laughs> I'm like I'm like that episode of Simpsons where Homer turns into the big gold god and he's got the jewels and the crown and everything. That's what I look like right now. Um, All right, pop pop quiz favorite Simpsons episode. Oh, the the one that I think I watched the most when I was like a uh, becoming a uh, agnostic or atheist person, but I thought was so like this is like epic that the poning church or whatever was a <laughs> was a Homer the heretic. I watched that one over and over again where he stays home from church and uh, starts watching. He's like. Starts watching Sunday football. Marge and the kids go to church. They're like freezing their ass off. Uh, it's got the. I'm pretty sure it's got the uh, uh, where he's sitting on the couch and like he's about to burn the house down. And he says, uh, uh, "What does he say?" He's like, "Everyone's Every, an is, idiot but me. Know, everyone is stupid <laughs> except me." And then it fucking burns the house down. Uh, but yeah, that episode, especially when you're like 16 and you're like, maybe God isn't real. Is like, is <laughs> like, yes, this is epic. I'm going to go watch Pat Oswalt stand up after this. <laughs> Fuck that. That's actually a great episode. That's it's funny to watch the old Simpsons and they're like, they like go to church every Sunday and stuff. Like right. that's so like foreign to like, there's like no show on television right now where they like unironically go to church every Sunday. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only one I think that would maybe do that, which I've never seen an episode is that last man standing uh, Tim Allen show. I got a feeling those guys go to church. Cause he's like crazy right-wing person i would imagine oh is he yeah he's super republican tim allen like from tool time dude i was talking to someone the other day and and they were like quizzing me on like what's your favorite simpsons episode and i realized a lot of my favorite episodes actually fall outside of the uh you know prime era of simpsons like i was dropping like season 11 shit oh really um homer homer to the max i think is season 11 uh great episode where he changes his name to max power yes that's remember that familiar. one that sounds familiar that's I, a great episode i, I own I, I still own season like two through 12 on dvd i think that i've had since i was like eight or nine years old because like <laughs> my, my parents wouldn't let me watch family guy or south park but they would they would <laughs> let me watch the simpsons so I bought like that's what I got every year was like a, a new season of DVD. So I've definitely watched like three, four, and six the most I think. But um, hey, hey man, I don't know if anyone's ever said that, but that's a good show. Yeah, hot take. Simpsons, uh, great show right there. The Simpsons is good. Show. Seasons what like two through eight is supposed to be like the best television ever. I would say go up to season like fourteen. Like there are gems in there. It starts to get stupid, but there are still gems in there. So don't discount it. I just know at the end they kind of start relying on like celebrity camera cameos too much a little bit. 
Yeah, and the problem, too, is, like, so it used to be that when they would have a celebrity cameo, they would just, like, rag on the celebrity right, and make like him the, look like a fucking idiot, you know? The, the Michael Jackson episode is, like, the perfect example of a great oh, celebrity so cameo. Good. He's a fucking so mental good. patient. Yeah, and it's, like, you never quite know if it is him or not. Like, it, that yeah. was done so well. Or the fucking where uh, stupid George Bush, they didn't actually have him voice it, but where right. they had George Bush move in across the street from them yes. and they're just ragging on each other the whole time and then gerald ford moves in and he's exactly <laughs> like homer and it's just, <laughs> that whole episode was so good like <laughs> but yeah. uh anyways uh fucking a let's do this we need to get back on track here uh yep. this album to me hearing that this album came out in the year 2000 i think it predated a lot of stuff that was to come in the early 2000s mid 2000s and even late 2000s where do you think that Jack and Meg were drawing from and who do you think they influenced later? I know that they drew from, obviously they draw from blues, blues, from blues. There's blues. two, there's two different uh, blues covers. Southern Canada's mine and death letter on the album from two different uh, blues artists. So it's clear that that's a huge influence. Uh, I don't remember their names, but I used to, I used to have a book about the white stripes and I know that they, they drew a lot from, uh, it was like an unauthorized biography or whatever, but they drew a lot from like Detroit. Uh, is that band called MC Five or something like that? Is that what they're called? Yeah, 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 yeah. MC Five, the Jams or whatever. Like mm-hmm. there was like a, a lot of garage rock like in the seventies in Detroit. I know they draw from that too. Um, as far as what they've influenced later on, I feel like it's like I don't know. Maybe it's cle- it's it's definitely cliche to say this, but there's like they're so important to the indie rock revival along with the strokes. I think when the strokes would come out a year later with the modern age and, and all that stuff and kind of bringing back the garage rock, even on the MTV too and, and stuff like that. Uh, I feel like it's really hard to have that sort of pop rock, grunge rock, garage rock revival of the, mid 2000s with the strokes and kings of leon and black keys. hell yeah so mentioned black keys is one of the buzzwords um (laughs) but yeah i i totally feel that man um black keys is one that stood out to me too the reason i put that on there is because obviously their uh instrumentation their lineup was so dead yeah. on with what the White Stripes were doing, at least early on. Yeah. Um, and I think both bands kind of evolved into a broader soundscape as they went. Have you ever listened to the album or the record uh, Thick Freakness? Yes, it? yes. I was. A, I'm a, oh, I, I would consider myself still a huge fan of theirs. Uh, I, it's been a few years since I really listened to them, but I saw them live, and uh, I really got into them with uh, with the Brothers album when everybody else did. And then I went back and listened to Rubber Factory and, and Thick Freakness a lot. I never really liked not, like the Attack and Release too much. And mm-hmm. El, El Camino sort of when I dropped out. But I saw them uh I saw them live right before like Brothers really blew up. And they came to Portland and they played the Crystal Ballroom, which is like a really small venue theater. And then the next time they came back they were at the Rose Garden, which is like where the Trailblazers play. And they were they were fucking huge. So I think I saw them one of the last times you're going to get to see them as a small, small act, which is really cool. 
Yeah, that's fucking cool, man. That's because uh, the Black Keys are one that you know I would have loved to have seen them back when it was just uh, the two of them in in kind of a small venue and really appreciate that, you know, because um, they're they're fucking larger than life now. I mean, they're they're a pretty huge name now, but um, yeah, man, it, I, it's the same kind of thing. Like listening to this album, I drew a lot of parallels to that because I love Thick Freakness. That's excuse me, that's my favorite album of of the Black Keys and it's so weird especially when i was younger i had such an aversion to kind of jack white and the white stripes but loved thick freakness black keys for some reason that was just more legit to me but then you know revisiting this uh this record this time uh i've drawn more of a connection to it it's like fuck this is really legit too so cool i think there's a i think there's a tendency maybe now in some circles to say like uh these are white boys playing black music i feel like and uh i feel like definitely with the black keys i feel like they do that a little bit more where they lean into like the southern vibes maybe a little bit more but like i agree with you where one of the first i i played i played with a buddy of mine who played drums um a little bit when i was like 18 or 19 and one of the few songs that we like hammered out and would play all the time was have love will travel oh uh, fuck yeah which is such a fucking fun song to play and easy to sing and cool riff and uh yeah just a great track i love i have a lot of love for the black keys yeah dude it's so sick there's there's another band too and i think you're right i i I do totally see that where the black keys i think were way more of a direct uh delta blues revival whereas uh white stripes lean in a little more to punk and this and that um there's another band too that uh that to me they're drawing from and that I hear a lot here and often also gets criticized for being white boys stealing the music of black blues men. Uh, they're a little earlier than these guys, but c- can you guess who they are? Uh, I would going to say oh, um, the Kinks. No. Uh, the Rolling Stones. Warmer. The Beatles. Eh, eh, colder the who eh, warmer the bloody i don't know <laughs> <laughs> the bloody uh, fucking uh i don't know man who are you talking about they pretty all right okay wait a minute okay here's what we're gonna do i have my guitar right here and i'm it's it's gonna the zap dude <laughs> yeah okay zeppelin all right mention led zeppelin is on there twice. I fucked up. I didn't mean to put it on there twice, but I did put it on there twice. So what's gonna happen is you're gonna take a drink, and I'm gonna take a drink because I fucked up and put it on there twice. You're gonna you need to take like three drinks because if <laughs> if you're talking about baiting somebody into that, you're like, let me play the riff for you. Maybe maybe you might recognize this song. You know? <laughs> Have you ever heard of Stairway to Heaven? Yeah, it's actually about freaking Lord of the Rings, which is epic AF. Dude, I don't know if that one's about Lord of the Rings. I think there isn't every song of theirs about Lord of the Rings. Every every song of theirs is canonically in the Tolkien universe. <laughs> yeah, the the TCU. Now, can I can I ask you this? Is is this yeah. maybe I'm a very um, surface level Led Zeppelin fan? Like I pulled up the Physical Graffiti album, and the only song I recognize is Cashmere. Uh, mm. And uh, I know like the earlier stuff, but is the fact is it because I'm not a big pothead? Is that why I don't? Because I'm not toking fat bong rips that i don't like led zeppelin as much as maybe other people do is that a is that a, is that a big part of their thing well i mean that's that is a big part of their thing 
like i like i really like like (laughs) days and confused and good times bad times like i know like the i think i had one of their greatest hits albums like on cd when i was like 15 like mothership or something it was like a two-parter yeah uh, two two cd thing but yeah other than that like i'm not a big deep cuts guy well yeah well what i'll say is yes you could i mean here's the thing is like i've lived in households where we've had every zeppelin record on vinyl and yes mm-hmm. there was a lot of thought smoke there where we'd sit there and listen to zeppelin too or, or the first record and just any of it any of it is good man i went through a period where i thought presence was the best zeppelin album which if you want to talk about deep cuts like yeah see i don't even know what that is i gotta look that yeah. up to see if i know anything off of that yeah, I know, we're, I know we're we're way off track here, but yeah, I don't know. Anyways, um, Wait, what are we ta- who are we talking about? The White Stripes. What are we talking about? I know. I was trying to bait you into saying Zeppelin, and we clearly did it. Um, we got there. I know that we we were talking about <laughs> my favorite song, and we talked about Truth Doesn't Make a Noise. How about this? When did you first hear this album? I was trying to think of that. Um, it would have been. I know. I have. I have all their albums on CD. I bought them all on CD when I was a teenager before, because I'm 29. So it was before iPods really came around and, and I had a, I had a Walkman and then I got a car at 16 and I got a CD player in my car. And I want to say, if I look at their discography, I know my brother, I have an older brother. He's eight years older than me, which is great for getting into music. You know, like he, he listened to a lot of really cool stuff uh and introduced me to a lot of cool stuff and i'm pretty sure my first introduction would have been white blood sales and then after that it would have been elephant and then i think somewhere in between 2002 2003 i went back and got the style and 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 had another white stripes album to listen to but that definitely definitely wasn't my first introduction to them i feel like i used to watch conan o'brien and and uh they were always on conan o'brien there he's like his he's like their number one fan i don't did you know that like They've been on the Conan O'Brien shows over the years, like twice a year. Oh shit. I didn't know that. Uh yeah. Simpsons, Simpsons alumni right there, by the way. That's right. That's right. And I think that there's a when I was looking at the White Stripes Wikipedia the other day, I think I saw that they use some White Stripes songs in the Simpsons at a couple of times. That's um, right. But yeah, I think so. I would have been uh 12, 13, 14 when I probably first started listening to this album. And, you know. When you're 14 and you listen to Deathwire about uh, uh, a man getting a phone call that his, his love is dead, you're like, yeah, this is some real shit, dude. This is this is what I am. I'm 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 this guy. This is me. <laughs> I'm becoming white stripified. I'm taking the white pill. Is the <laughs> the white <laughs> pill before the Joker pill? Um, <laughs> talk about your middle school music taste is one of the buzzwords. Oh, great! Here we go. I got to crack open another beer. I'm on number four. Samesies, bro. I drank I drank a couple of these before the uh, before the show here. So. I had I had one with my dinner. Mother made me ribs for dinner. <laughs> mother, <laughs> mother, thank you, mother. Thank uh, you, mother. Uh, and I, I'm mother, a may I? <laughs> mother, may I please have an extra serving of ribs tonight? Uh, <laughs> I've been good. <laughs> yeah, my my musical taste in middle school. Um, yeah, it was it was. I know that when I was younger, like probably ten or eleven, I liked the In Sync and and uh, Britney Spears. 
which is sus. That's some sus shit to be listening to uh, for a 10-year-old boy. And then my brother started listening to stuff that was like, uh, what did I get into? Uh, Newfound Glory, uh, Yellow Card. Okay. Brand new. Oh. Rancid. Talk about male manipulator music. What? Did what I haven't <laughs> heard? Did they do something wrong? Did the lead like, singer? Did the lead singer the lead brand singer. new do something nasty? I haven't heard. Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, allegedly, I don't know. We won't go into it. Uh. No, I'm sure. I mean, that's the thing, man. It's like any. Uh, I don't want to out ourselves here as two guys who are in music, but I feel like a lot of people in music are do it to get ladies, whether they be of age or not. It's like. Clearly, the, the number one instinct in, in in all art forms is to do it to get laid. But uh, yeah, that guy that guy fucked up big time. We do here yeah. on here on uh, buzzwords and beers. We do not uh, we do not advocate for them. No, we don't like that shit. This it's funny I, on the on the last episode. I think the episode before you was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, me and my buddy uh, uh, Jacob Acosta talked about. Uh, red hot chili peppers and we were kind of talking about that like those dudes did some fucked up shit well i mean so we, did, we were just talking about Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. <laughs> jesus christ oh what, fuck, mud like, sharking or whatever what was that right oh uh, christ well yeah that, i mean if you want to talk, talk about underage like jimmy yeah. page holy yeah, fucking shit man 15 year old girl locked in his house or whatever right exactly it's, the, they're it's ass guys and it's it's uh it, he made a great point actually he made a very good point where it's like it's our job as the next generation of musicians to like yes draw from these guys draw from their musical or, you know get your musical inspiration from them but also uh you know try and be better yeah. try and be better don't just try and be like i want to be as good a guitar player as jimmy page it's like i want to be better than him as a guitar player and also as a person like i'm gonna not be a shitty fucking human being yeah you don't want to uh, be as good as a pedophile as jimmy page is. no fuck no <laughs> that's that's bad uh, i can i can say i have never participated in a satanic occult ritual either uh so i'm already on the right track here yeah uh, you know you're walking in the light uh walking in the light uh let's let's do this man um would you say that this album was ahead of its time um i don't think so fucking shit okay. <laughs> i'm not you're not not nice try <laughs> uh, maybe if you phrase it a different way i might say that it was but i'm not gonna say that right now i would say in a lot of ways it's uh uh I would drop this word on you. I'd say it harkens back to a simpler time. How about that, motherfucker? How about yeah, I say, it does? How about I say it harkens? And now you don't Harken. know what to now you don't know what to do. Now that I said that it harkens. And wow. now I, it's it's <laughs> if you look at the song structure. So here's the thing. I'm looking at genius lyrics right now, right? There mm. are almost no annotations on the entire album. That <laughs> he does not say. Uh, most of his metaphors are very straightforward, easy to understand especially like how so well like, even if you know a little bit about meg white and jack white like so as somebody like me who knows a lot about like them and a, a huge fan of theirs you know that meg is very quiet you know that jack is the the leader the the, the front man man and so like we're talking about truth doesn't make a noise and he says like first one my baby's got a heart of stone can't you people ever just leave her alone how if you're talking about a a, a girl that you're about to get a divorce from how much closer can you get to that of like this is a very quiet person. She doesn't like the the spotlight, and you guys are kind of thrusting that upon her. 
And then he talks more about like just straight up her attributes of like her small hands and, and, and her, you know, slight wrists or whatever. Uh, he's not dropping. You're not you're not going on to genius lyrics and wondering what Jack White is saying on this album, uh, which I think is a good thing. And part of why I like it is that if you want to talk about simple structures that rely on just guitar and lyrics, you don't you don't need a theosaurus to figure out what he's trying to say. A theosaurus? Yeah, I'm okay, sorry. I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna stop you. I'm sorry. Lyrics. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. Hey, we're both like three beers deep. We're mm. we're, we're I mean. If if you guys don't know, some of you youngins, once you get up past twenty five, if you drink three beers, you're basically plastered. Yeah, I'm I'm browning out right now, and I'm saying theosaurus instead of thesaurus <laughs> because I have a son who's really into dinosaurs, and uh, all, all he does is talk about dinosaurs all the time. But well, um, I was yeah. gonna say recite lyrics is one of the buzzwords. So. Okay, well we'll do that. I'll I'll take a lot more drinks. We've been in here for forty five minutes, and we talk about one song. I was gonna say, say the word, say the word, drink is also one of them. So, all right, here we go. <laughs> all right, yes, okay. I'm probably gonna cut out some of that shit I was talking about Led Zeppelin, but uh, <laughs> dude, let's let's jump into the fucking songs. How do you want to do this, man? Do you want to go song by song and say something about each one? How do you want to do it? What do your notes look like? Uh, my notes were are from the beginning to the end, but you said that uh, you want to know what my favorite one and then what the my least favorite one was. Yes, you gave me your favorite. That. What is your least favorite song? Uh, my least favorite song, I think, is A Boy's Best Friend. Okay. Which okay. is... Uh, there are other songs that you could uh, misconstrue or, as, uh, or uh, interpret as gaslighting or male manipulating music. <laughs> but this is just straight up like emo sad boy shit. Uh, like, there's this one. There's another one that has more emo shit too. The only, like, I don't know. I like the guitar tone on it a lot, and it's got like the cool slide guitar. Um, but for the for the audience that doesn't know what a slide guitar is, what's that like? Kind of what does that sound like? <laughs> uh, you have a bottleneck uh, slide on your finger, and you slide up and down the strings, and wow, kind of like that. I would say. Using onomatopoeia is a buzzword. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I uh, actually have I have a beer bottle and a guitar right here. Let me see if I can get you a uh... show the plebeians at home. There you go. That sounds like ass. I feel All like right, I'm in the delta right now. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's a very short song. The the lyrics. Th there's one. I'm gonna recite another lyric and then take a drink here. That's fine. You can once you hit one, you can say it again. It's a okay. one time. Yeah. But the the one good lyric I think on the song is he says, "My dogs come sit next to me, a pack of dogs and cigarettes. My only friends speak no words to me." That's some emo. I would say that's emo. Wouldn't you say that's emo adjacent? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me though, here's the thing. That I don't know, man. That to me is way better than emo. That's like to me is like almost uh listen to like old country music or fucking blues music man like yeah. that's what the blues was about it was like really deep like uh really poignant like sadness like you can't escape it like right. uh you know even your dogs or your best friends don't even speak to you because that's a fucking animal it's like you know it's a that to me is more than emo i feel like emo is more uh and this is so fucking cliche but i feel like emo is like 
Uh, my fucking, I asked a girl to prom. She said no, like whatever. You know, mom told me I couldn't go to the stupid whatever thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, emo and blues and and there's so many like you hear it in fucking um, country and like bluegrass too. Yeah. Like it, you know, if you go listen to like Roscoe Holcomb or something or Hank Williams Senior. Uh, what's that song called? Um, I'll never get out of this world alive. It's a really sad song, but he kind of has like good humor about it. I, I feel that throughout Jack White's uh, work here is like he's very sad, but he has like a clever way of showing it and kind of good humor about it. It makes it listenable, you know. Yeah. Or if you're listening to like music that you and I really like, like Morgan Wallen, that kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> we still defend and are huge fans of. Wouldn't you say, John? <laughs> Big time, dude. Big time. We Big love time. Not so much a fan of his music, but his behind-the-scenes lifestyle. <laughs> you know, off the stage? <laughs> off the stage? Cool, the cool dude that we'd like to hang great, out with. Great, dude. Oh, good. Uh, By good far. Friend, <laughs> good friend, Morgan. Um, yeah, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we... Should we talk about things in sort of like a descending order of, um, of like, our least favorite to favorite? Because... If yeah, I'm, whatever if I'm, you want to say. If I'm going to say that one's my least favorite, I guess I would probably go with, uh, in, in terms of, like, emo sad boy stuff, like, I don't know, maybe there's a problem with, like, when I write, I don't want to lean too far now into, like, sad white boy shit, you know? Because nowadays that's, like, a that's like a, a, a punchline that people could bring up in, and it could, like, blow up in your face. Is like, mm-hmm. this, this white guy is crying about his life or whatever. But he has the song, uh, Why Can't You Be Nicer to Me, which I really like. I like that guitar riff, and I like that sort of uh, call and response that he does where he's playing both different parts. But, yeah. And he does that all throughout the album. I mean, he's, the, he's the, the only guitarist, so he has to do that throughout the whole album. But he has the, the last verse of that. He says, it's basically a suicide verse. You know, He's like, I'm off a bridge and falling. Nobody's calling. On the ground and laying, nobody's praying. And it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself and nobody's gonna care. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely emo as fuck. It's like yeah. that self indulgent, like oh I'm so like you're so self centered that like you have this weird fantasy of like it's like so self centered. It's like you horseshoe around from like everybody is constantly thinking of you to like no one is ever thinking of you. It's like it's like even more conceited almost. It's yeah. like this weird thing. Um, it's funny you say that because that one I actually had a little star next to it because I thought it was maybe the most effective kind of riff lyric, riff lyric sort of mm-hmm. thing. And to me, it was, uh, you know, sort of a sign of things to come, like the more sort of pop centric, uh, you know, vein that they would get into with later albums. Like this was more of the, uh, this one was a precursor to seven nation army or icky thump or something right. like one of those banger ass like this one was probably the most effective uh use of their lineup to me doesn't necessarily make it the best song on the album but to, i i put a star next to it because i did it stood out to me in that sense it sounded really polished and really tight in in that sense well and the the as far as choruses go to have a one sentence chorus that hits mm-hmm. so hard of something that i'm sure every person in their life has thought of as why can't this person be nicer to me <laughs> is uh that's a that's a good fucking like elicits a response chorus i will say that i don't i don't love that last verse but that, that chorus just saying why can't you be nicer to me is like yeah i felt that a hundred times when you're fighting with somebody and they're like not 
you they're not on your side and you're like you're being mean <laughs> why can't you be nicer than me? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 i've been there yeah just like see my point of view bro yeah as a, um, as, a, as a yeah as a music theory guy how do you feel about you said that in in the past year uh you were more black uh, black keys guy but i know that you're a very talented musician and somebody who understands theories and and stuff that i don't understand i want to know how you feel about meg as a drummer because she's been such a punchline over the years and then i want to know how you feel about jack as a lyricist and soloist well here's the thing i'm not a drummer and the vast majority of the everything I know about drums has come from like uh, super inarticulately, uh, you know, telling my drummer, uh, you need to do kind of a bapu, bada-do, like kind of a little bapa. And then I learned that's that's called a pat boon, Debbie boon, Phil. <laughs> pat boon, Debbie boon. Or like, you know, it's a, like I learn as I go, what's that symbol? Like you need to hit the symbol, but it's it's not like a ba ba ba. It's like a psh, psh, psh. And it's like, okay, that's called the crash symbol. It sounds trashy. I also have a China symbol that sounds even trashier than that. Do you want me to hit? Like, I learned, okay, I don't know shit about jobs. Okay. Uh, Meg is a drummer. Uh, she's basically doing just like four on the floor beats for the whole thing. She's a better drummer than I am, so I really can't talk shit. I thought it was cool as hell, though, when she did the little uh, rim shot. What song was that on? Hello, Operator. She does those little breaks where she has the little rim shot breaks. I mm -hmm. thought that was cool as hell. Oh, she's just uh, in the uh, the sticks on the. Yeah, exactly. on, yeah, yes, that is cool. Exactly. It's like I a thought break that was cool as hell. sort of. And exactly. And I thought it was cool because it's like a great way for someone who's like, look, she's not Matt Garska, you know, she's not Neil Peart. OK, like she's not a fucking like groundbreakingly talented drummer, mm -hmm. but it's cool. And someone who like, you know, maybe is not insanely, uh, you know, buddy rich, technically talented. Uh, she can find little ways to still be creative and still like kind of add something to the song. Like to me, that shows something deeper, like this kind of creative mindset. So doing those little rim shots. Um, the other thing is throughout the album, especially on like, fuck, what song was it? I feel like it was one you just mentioned. Um, it was one of the covers. Um, Death Letter? Uh, yeah, Death Letter. She um the, the tempo on that one changes so much as uh -huh. it goes. Uh -huh. But it's so effective. Like if you if you were to go listen to Sunhouse or, you know, uh, Robert Johnson or any of these, you know, old school blues men and it's just them and their guitar playing, like their tempo is going to fluctuate and it's kind of an intentional thing. In certain parts of the song they want to speed up and kind of go down and just, just up to them and it was cool to hear them do that and it's it's something that from a, a truly like technical standpoint you know if you put meg white at the berkeley college of music and told her to play drums they would be all over her ass for fucking you know fucking up the tempo or whatever but oh. it's kind of like fuck you like that's not what it's about like this is this is uh this is something else like you don't understand what she's doing here like there that tempo change is kind of intentional and it actually works towards the song so you know is she a fucking again is she buddy rich is she neil pert is she fucking matt garska no absolutely not not even close uh but like does she still add something to this band and and give it a feel uh and an intensity and and all of its own absolutely so i i think it i think meg absolutely works jack's uh fucking music theory it's whatever he's doing 12 bar blues for most of this shit i i think he's less about music theory and he's more about um 
you know, composing a soundstage that's raw as fuck, super old school sounding. Um, you know, this album was recorded on an eight track tape recorder in his living room. And, oh. and I think he leaned so hard into that and did such a good job of elevating that sound form and making it sound intentional and making it like taking that lo-fi vibe and owning it. And because, you know, again, you listen to Sun House or, or Robert Johnson or any of these guys and their recordings sound like shit from a modern yeah. perspective. You know, you compare that to whatever fucking album Paul McCartney just released. It's going to sound like shit, but like, that's part of the deal is like, this is a dirt poor fucking, you know, sharecropper farmer in the cheapest fucking studio on earth with a shitty as fuck guitar. And he's not quite in tune and he's, you know, not quite on tempo and, but he's going to fucking, you know, tell you about his life. Like Jesus, it's great. The one thing I'll point out, the one little moment of, uh, of, uh, uh, you know, theory kind of complexity was song number one. You're pretty good looking for a girl. Mm -hmm. uh, he does this little thing where he does almost a fake key change. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? He does this little bop, 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 bop. In the bridge, bop. Did, the bridge. Yeah, in the bridge. Yeah. He does this little uh, chromatic thing where he goes up and it mm -hmm. sounds like he changed mm -hmm. keys. Yeah. He actually didn't. Uh, as far as I can tell, I didn't actually sit down with my guitar and figure this out. This was just by ear. But from what I can tell, what he's doing is he goes up to another chord that's in the key and kind of it, it's a mode thing. He goes to a different mode, but it's still in the key. And then he resolves to the original one chord. So that was cool as fuck that he faked a key change. Right. That, that was very cool to me. And while we're on that song, I would say that that's like a perfect pop song, like in terms of structure and it's so whimsical like the, the just the conceit of you're, you're pretty good looking for a girl like in terms of taking that sort of straightforward blues pop song i feel like that t twists it just enough to make it really interesting and and fun in a way that maybe i don't know i just i always thought that was so interesting yeah he the lyrics throughout that one it's like it rides this line between like a really sincere almost childish like love letter to a girl but um he also seems to be sort of like uh fucking around and kind of joking in every lyric too yeah. like I, I feel like that's a very good look at jack white like i think that's a microcosm of him almost yeah i think i think part of why i like this album too is i was re-listening to it today is that it does focus i think there's more focus on songwriting than there is on the next two albums that come in their discography and certainly like in this one there's like a lot of really cool slide solos and stuff on death letter and other songs but we don't really see a huge like shredding jack white on these these songs are like songs that i learned how to play when i was 16 with tabs or chords even they're all pretty straightforward simple songs with a lot of like minutiae and, and interesting details there that's how i i mean i'm not like a big music theory guy but these are all like power chords essentially a lot yeah. of them or open chords when he's playing acoustic songs like apple blossom and, and little bird and stuff like that yeah and, and some of them too the slide shit it sounds to me like he's just in an open tuning and just sliding super easy stuff um but you're right. I mean, there's something to be said for the fact that you at age 16 went and learned a bunch of these songs. Like there are songs that I've written where I sat down and I was like, I'm going to write a guitar riff that 16 year old me would hear and want to learn. Right. You know, like that's that's a thing. Like, yeah. uh, again, for me, it was Zeppelin shit. So that's another 
connection there, but it's, you know, there's something to be said for that, to, to write a riff that's so infectious that some kid who just started guitar wants to learn. And it's kind of a cheeky way to earn yourself into the, the memory of a lot of people uh, without having to go all out and do some insane, you know, jazz fusion shit, you know? Right. Yeah. I think, I think he definitely, I think he, when you listen to their, other, their later albums, I think they both, I think she gets better as a drummer. And I think he, gets better as a soloist and guitarist i think there's um i think they you kind of get to listen to these people grow because they're pretty young when they first start off oh man john's taking pits again john's taking fucking pits and i'm sitting here holding the damn bag all right well if you're still listening call in we have the slime line the slime line is open the coast to coast line is open. The uh, Callista Gringrich line is open. You can call and talk to Callista. She will talk to you about her various chilies and meals that she's making for noon. Oh, good, you're back. Callista will. Uh, she'll do a tarot reading for you. Hey, nice dude. <laughs> a little pun. Um. <laughs> She'll do a little tarot reading for you. Um, it looks like we have our first caller here, actually, on the uh, on the wild card line. Okay. Uh, yeah, hey, am I live? Uh, yes, sir, you're live on the air. Okay, good. Uh, I just have one question uh, for John. Do you like Wendy's? Yeah, I like Wendy's. Yeah, you like it when these nuts slap your face? <laughs> talking we were kind of going in reverse order through your least favorite songs um let, let's just keep going song by song okay uh yeah i would say that uh we're going in descending order we got uh we did a boy's best friend we did why can't you be nicer to me hmm we talked about you're pretty good looking for a girl that's not i don't know i think we're gonna have to move away from saying least favorite because after that I, I like all the songs quite a bit we're in the positive territory now. Uh, yeah, we're, these are un, these are unranked top top nine. We're, we're songs. approaching. Yeah, we're approaching the the best song on the album now. From the style. Uh, what do you think about Hello Operator? I really like that song, and in large part uh, to the call and response between the, like the bow bow song, you know, sound that he does, and then it's got that really good harmonica solo. And it does. That was sick as fuck. The distorted harmonica. Um, yes, I like a little bit of Jack White lead action on that one. Uh, I thought it was cool too. If you listen closely, um, you can hear the sixty cycle hum of his single coil pickups, uh, and then he cuts it out before Meg does her little rim shot solos, mm -hmm. and then it cuts back in. Just lends to that lo-fi thing. But which reminds me, dude, what what kind of guitar was he playing on this record? Uh, I think he's playing like a plastic Eastwood. Uh, or American. Uh, he used a lot of plastic guitars uh, all through his career. All right. Name a specific guitar or bass is one of the buzzwords. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, he, he, um, his plastic guitars, I don't, you know, when I, when I talk about, I'm not a huge mm, producer guy, so I don't know what the difference in, tone have you ever played with a plastic electric guitar before and how it reverberates different than a solid body like wood guitar like i know the difference well, between semi semi hollow body and stuff like that but 
Well, here's the thing. So I've played like a Dan Electro, which is like laminated wood with plastic sides, um, which is kind of similar. That's actually what Phoebe Bridger smashed or tried to smash on the SNL. Yeah, she tried to. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing, and this is controversial, but to me, in a solid body electric guitar, the material that the, the body of the guitar is made out of plays fucking barely any role in the yeah. way that guitar sounds mm-hmm. that is that'll get me lynched by fucking 99 of the guitar <laughs> players out there but i will tell you like if you take the potentiometers out of your guitar and put them on a multimeter and measure those i guarantee you that the uh amount that those are off because if, if you have a strat they're, they're 250k pots the last 250k pot i had on a multimeter it was a cts pot like quality brand 209k so that's significantly brighter than a 250k pot so if you take those things out of your guitar and measure them on a multimeter that's going to have way more effect on your tone than fucking oh my fingerboard's made of uh rosewood so my guitar's going to sound darker like fuck off dude that doesn't make a fucking difference at all acoustic guitar yeah okay that makes a big difference but save a lot of money and get way bigger effects on your tone if you buy a bag of potentiometers and a multimeter and fucking measure them bitches and you know put them in your guitar to taste darker or brighter uh then you will changing out like the neck on your guitar to get fucking things so yeah plastic guitar i'm all about it okay that's good to know yeah i think it i think it works uh like i said uh, i'm I'm glad that you said a lot of stuff that i understand somebody out there will understand and we'll get that uh but but yeah uh did you know that i have like an old supro electric guitar no way really yeah it was my um it was my grandfather's and then it was like stuck up in an attic and like the neck is super warped uh so i don't ever hardly play it but uh it's got all the original hardware and stuff i think it was repainted at one point but it looks just like one that dan Auerbach plays uh and some black d stuff i'll send you a picture later you should man because i know both these guys jack white and dan arbach are all about like the vintage kind of weird gear which is cool as hell to me that's the thing is the plastic guitars got a bad rap because uh they often didn't have a truss rod in the neck so Mm -hmm. the neck would get warped and there was nothing you could do about it the only direction it could go is more warped so and then they had cheap pickups and cheap electronics they break and shit and people just thought oh plastic equals shitty you know, they sound bad for reasons that are not related to the plastic. It's just the whole design concept. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. This guitar has sat up in an attic since like 1967 or whatever and, and still plays OK. Like it, it's not, it can hold its own, but uh, all the hardware and everything still works. It's just super fucking heavy. And uh, I know that they I know that people really like their amps a lot. Like a lot of people use super amps over the years more than they use guitar, but it's a cool yeah that's sick you you should dude that's really cool because that's uh actually funny enough to circle back jimmy page uh loved his supro amp in the studio funny enough anyways um let's keep moving on these songs all right little bird how do we feel about little bird uh my only note is slide guitar hell yeah 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 that slide is really good uh i really like I, i like that sort of the lyrical content of being like super weird and controlling like it's almost could be i don't know if, if he's saying these things himself versus just a character who is like super codependent and wants to lock this woman away and 
you know, keep her in his house. I feel like that can be a move sometimes people have when they, they get into a, a big relationship where they don't want to let that person out of their house or whatever because they're afraid they're going to leave them kind of vibe. Uh, I also really like that the ending or like the, the, the section between verse two and verse three where you think it's going to end and then he goes into that big slide uh, kind of solo riff or whatever. But yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. It almost, uh, not quite, but kind of harkens to uh, another song, which is your Southern Can is Mine, which I guess we'll get to later. Oh, you think that harkens to it? A little bit of that vibe of like, I own you, you know? Yeah, I love I love when songs harken to each other. Personally, I love I love harkening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Apple Blossom. Uh, Apple Blossom. I know that. Did you know that that was uh, used in a Quentin Tarantino movie? Yeah, I saw that. That was in Hateful Eight. Yeah, yeah. Sort of this weird. Uh, you know, he's always got pretty good soundtracks when he throws that in there. I really like this song. I think it sounds. I think it sounds like it could be a, a, a cover the way that the other blues songs sound like they're covers. It sounds like it could be a song from the 50s or 60s. It's uh... Right, it's more put together. The lyrics seem more uh, thought out and a, a little bit more esoteric than a normal Jack White lyric. Yeah, and, and again, I think it, I think, I mean, the more I listen to it today, the more I think he's singing about Meg White and the more I think he's singing about them breaking up like this came out the year that he got divorced from her and you know he's singing about this woman that doesn't want to tell anybody how she's feeling uh that the ship's kind of going down you know says a little light uh when the boat is sinking a little light is blinking and i will come and rescue you he's trying to trying to help this woman who maybe doesn't want to talk to him or or, or put her faith in him which i think is a, a really interesting yeah it's interesting. I like this one too because we again get to see a little bit of Jack White like lead action, like a tasteful small guitar solo on it. Yeah. Um. I also enjoyed kind of just the soundstage of the acoustics, and then uh, the piano comes in. I think this is the first song on the record with a piano on it. Yeah. Uh. And and the piano kind of has this. Uh, it almost sounds like he's running it through a Leslie or like a little phaser or something. Um, but it has that vibe of kind of yeah, it's stuff you would hear later on like a Tame Impala record or maybe previously on some Beatles records. It has that very like vintage vibe. Yeah, he uses that sort of almost slightly off like in terms of tuning or like I don't know how you would how you would call that. I think it's not a perfectly tuned piano, excuse me. Uh he uses that a lot later in like Blue Orchid. There's a lot of a lot of songs on that album that, that he kind of, they start moving away from electric guitar a little bit on that album because maybe he felt like he'd done so much with that there. But I, I have that in my notes too, that it's like up there with the truth doesn't make a noise in terms of favorite guitar tone. I really like the guitar tone on this during the solos. And uh, I think it's like the best songwriting on the album. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, that was a great one. Uh, what do you have next? Uh, I'm bound to pack it up. Uh, oh, fuck yeah. This was a star one for me. That's a good song, dude. It's a good song. I, I really like the... Uh, it, it's like the more you think about this as a breakup album, like this is a breakup album or song for sure. Like people moving their own ways and, and, and getting out of town, taking their shit and getting out of there. Uh, yeah, I'm bound to pack it up. Fuck it, eh? Yeah, 
I really like that. Uh, yeah, it's just a good song. <laughs> I like I like how the more you drink beer, the more like you're like, yeah, this is good, and then you don't have any follow up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, there's just good shit yeah. right here. Um, I'll say this is I think the one song on the album where there's a bass guitar. Uh, okay. okay not quite a bass guitar it's a it's a stand-up bass that jack white plays um i saw that on the wikipedia that he was listed as playing double bass or something like that that would be this song okay. yeah that would be this song uh my notes say i loved this stereo acoustic guitars it's like two um as opposed to running like a doubled acoustic guitar in stereo it sounds like he tracked it twice and like panned them hard each side almost mm-hmm. um so it's like a uh it's a stereo soundstage but it's done a little differently like it's it's not a stereo spread per se it's like it's a different way of doing it he has the stand-up bass which doesn't stand out a ton in the mix but um it's cool that he had it and then um the violin too and and at the end the shaker sounds a little offbeat it just has this fucking mellow organic vibe this one i I put a star next to this one i thought this one was vibey as fuck yeah, I like the violin too. I'm looking here and it says that it's his cousin who plays the violin on this one. I didn't know that. That's pretty interesting. Uh, no yeah. way. Yeah, I think it's interesting that really only two songs on the whole album stray away from the guitar, drum, riff, you know, setup. And it's this one. It's, uh, was it, uh, yeah. So, uh, Death Letter. Did we talk about Death Letter already? It's like the best fucking song in the world. Yeah, we were we were talking about it. We were talking about it. Sun House and the the fluid kind of tempo change and stuff. Yeah, I think I think it definitely uh, benefit from drums added to that tempo. Because if you go back and listen to the few like recordings of Sun House, he's kind of all over the place. And I think those blue songs are great, but I think having a little bit of structure added to is beneficial yeah i feel that a little refinement some of them are like six minutes long you know and you're like where is this going right uh what do you think about sister do you know my name that one's like sort of a precursor to i can tell that we are going to be friends right exactly i totally felt that it's kind of this like childish like love letter to another girl and he's talking about oh we were in summer school together and Mm -hmm. this and that i totally felt that yeah um yeah it's funny it's like i can tell that we're gonna be friends is like the refined like perfected version of this song right and i think that i can tell that we're gonna be friends feels like a summertime song like it's like bouncy and it's like bam 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 like it's up and this one is like got a really slow tempo to it and it's like we're back in school again it's fall like we're bringing it down we're we're getting to know each other like i don't know they they do complement each other sort of in a an interesting way even though i can tell that we're going to be friends literally starts about with fall is here <laughs> that's like the first word they're both they're both <laughs> about fall so maybe i'm totally off there yeah well i mean maybe jack white just in his you know maturity like getting older he's like i just need to say this right now as opposed to like implying it you know yeah that's kind of a it's kind of a thing but yeah that was a cool one i i totally feel what you're saying about that uh let's see um uh what do you think about i really like um let's build a house or let's build a home i think like it totally breaks up the album this one and jumble jumble i feel like they have totally different vibes 
than the rest of the album. Right. These two, um, let's build a home. I had a star. It, those two, um, back to back, they're like the most punk on the album. They're both sub two minute. Yep. They're faster. Um, they're more banging. Let's build a home in particular is like a banging driving kind of punk vibe to it, yep. which was cool as hell. Like to me, if I'm going to go see a guitar player and a drummer, play like a little tiny venue i want to hear shit like let's build a home i don't want to hear shit like sister do you know my name you know what i mean like it'd be hard for like thinking of it from a perspective of like i've never heard of these guys before there's some unknown underground band that i'm seeing for the first time and it's just a guitar player and a drummer they come out and play sister do you know my name i'm fucking snoring that's the song i go (laughs) get a beer during yeah you know I'm, i'm at the bar but I fucking run back into the mosh pit for Let's Build a Home, you know? Yeah, Let's Build a Home. If you like this one and you like Jumble Jumble, they both are definitely the closest to... They sound like they could be B-sides from the first album. That's Okay. That's their, that's more the vibe of the first album. The first album is like in-your-face sort of lots of distortion, kick drum, like bops that are like, let's fucking go, let's fucking kick the kick a hole in this fucking wall right now uh and i really like that i think it's on let's build a home where he what does he do does he like slide does he like rake a pick up the strings where it's like like he kind of slides oh yeah 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 he's yeah 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 he's yeah i think he's um i know what you're talking about i think he's just moving his slide up the strings and like strumming it okay i think is what's happening yeah i i yeah that shit fucking goes it's it's weird that they, in terms of like track listing, that they put these two right next to each other, because they do just have a different vibe and feel to them. I feel like they should have been spaced out a little bit more, but uh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Jumble Jumble, I feel like leans into the same exact thing. It's like we're fucking going right now. We're it's party time. We're kicking. We're having a house party right now. These guys are playing. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. What do you got next? I think the only thing left to talk about is uh, your Southern can is mine. Do we want to talk about toxic male masculinity? Yes. In in, in the blues, in it, the toxic masculinity of Blind Willie Tell from we're, from, we're from canceling, 1931. Yeah, we're canceling the 1930s Delta blues scene. They thought they were safe. Just in time but for Black is, History Month, we're here, taking them yeah, down. Here, here is two white men in 2021. We are here to take down the Delta Blues men of the 1930s. It would, had to happen. <laughs> I I just per, I personally I want to say that this is coming straight from me. It's wrong to hit a woman with a brick that you found in your backyard. <laughs> hey you know what this may be controversial you know but i fucking agree with that man yeah you say say what you will say what you will i'm maybe i'll get cancel cultured for this but i also think it's wrong to hit a woman with a brick that you found in your backyard (laughs) i think i think personally i think if you hit a woman with a brick that you found in your backyard you should go to jail and you should lose your verified check mark <laughs> but hey, you know, maybe a lot of people. Hey, sorry, maybe I won't be able to go on Chapo Trap House after I say something like that. <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, uh, yeah, and you shouldn't be able to say that your that a woman's can belongs to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, sorry if that's not if that's not too PC for you guys. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, to the SJWs in the crowd, sorry if this offends. I like this song. I mean, it is fucked up if you look it's at the lyrics. It's actually a good content, song. But it fucking yeah. goes hard. <laughs> it really does. No, it actually does. The, I mean, this song to me is the most like, uh, th- th- this has the most blues cred on it. Like it's the fucking acoustic guitar. Jack is singing. Meg is uh, what? Tapping a tambourine. And she does... Excuse me, she does backup vox on this one, right? Yeah, I think so. She's she's really only takes the reins on one song in the entire discography in terms of singing the whole song. But yeah, hearing her do backup every now and then is nice. Um, I'm trying to remember. They, he does, he has one other blues cover that he does on another album that's like even worse than this one in terms of <laughs> in terms of lyrical content. Uh, I can't remember what song it is now, but and I, I think it's just off of like EPs and stuff. But it's like about having like a high yellow woman that you like, and it's like Jack, a what? <laughs> a high yellow, like a a yellow, like a red bone, uh, <laughs> like, like mixed race, you know, light light skinned ass uh, woman from like nineteen forty two or whatever. Uh, I fucking wish I could remember what it's called now. But yeah, he 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 covers another song that's like about him having like I got a white girl in this town, I got a black girl in this town, and I got a high yellow girl in this town. <laughs> and, it, and it's like 2006 the kind of the kind of uh the kind of racism that you have to google and find like uh old like sources on it before you understand that it's racist right the, the kind of racism that you hear in a biopic about uh ray charles that you've watched about ray charles <laughs> <laughs> you're like what is a yell what is a red bone <laughs> is it uh it might be lord send me an angel i think hold on a second um but yeah that's like that's the main stuff uh off of this album the only other song that i thought about bringing up which isn't on the album is the uh is it uh jolene what do you think have you heard their jolene cover no i didn't know they did a jolene cover yeah it's a b-side and i think He's done it live a few times that has shown up on other B-sides and collections and stuff that's better than the original album version. Um, but I think it's better than the Dolly Parton version. Um, really? Yeah, it fucking, it's really good. Uh, here, I found it. <laughs> it's, the song's called Lord Send Me an Angel. And it's a B-side from this, too. It's got, uh, it's, uh, you're pretty good looking is the, the other song. But the, uh, so the song is an old blues song, and he says, "These Detroit women won't let Mr. Jack White rest." And, <laughs> and then, and then later he goes, "Take their mayor of Detroit to pick which one I like. One of them Amtrak yellow, one of them Detroit brown." <laughs> <laughs> and and it is a cover. This is some, this is some shit that you could get away with in two thousand one. I guess that you could not get away with now. <laughs> But it's a Willie McTell song too. It's a blind Willie McTell song. That's it. All right, there you go. Hey, that that's okay. All right. Uh, yeah, why didn't this one make the cut? I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. Uh, oh, he says one of them Detroit Brown, but that Southwest dark skin sure to turn my damper down. <laughs> uh, somebody, somebody, rec, rec executive used to talk to Jack and be like, "We can't do this one." <laughs> Hey man, 
<laughs> so about this love it he's like no it's a cover they aren't my lyrics yeah. like <laughs> yeah i'm just I'm, I'm just speaking for blind william and Tell. jack jack let me let me ask you a question jack who was in paris jack who is the rap group with attitude <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, Jack's not Jack. Jack. Uh, Jack's uh, black pill. Jack's red pill. He'll go on. Uh, he's been on Rogan. He's done it all. <laughs> has he been on Rogan? Actually, I don't know. I, I hope not. I feel like he hasn't. I don't know if that's his kind of thing. Maybe he has. I have no idea. Let's take a look. I know that he. Uh, I know that he's like. Uh, doesn't look like it. No, Jack Johnson has. Jack Johnson was on Rogan. I think so. Bro, what the fuck? Oh, look, okay, here's the thing. I've actually listened to quite a bit of Joe Rogan. I'm going to tell on myself a little bit here. I had a coworker I used to commute with. We had an hour commute each way. I commuted from Isla Vista to Santa Maria, California for like nine months straight with this guy. It was hell. But I, he was a great dude. Peter, if you're listening, what up, man? Uh, and he would play Joe Rogan damn near every time it was his turn to drive. And honestly, there's some good fucking interviews on there. All right. Like, I hate to tell on myself here, but like the vast majority of the hype about Joe Rogan being a white supremacist or whatever, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, he has some true. really good interviews on there. He has some really good shit. Has he had some questionable people on there? Yes. Has he had like some extremely good people on there too? Yes. It's kind of just like, you kind of have to just stop judging the guy like that fucking hard and just realize he just has people on there. Like, I don't know. Uh, I he has some pretty good fucking interviews on there. Some of them suck. Some of them are pretty good. It's it's it varies. I would like to clarify two things. He did not have the artist Jack Johnson on there. They were talking about the boxer Jack Johnson, who was oh. a boxer in like the 30s, 40s. It's like the first thing that came up when I typed in Jack White, Joe Rogan. And then I've only listened to the Bernie Sanders uh, episode, and I think part of the Robert Downey Jr. episode because I was like, oh, the new Marvel movie is coming out. I need to see what Robert Downey Jr. has to say about Iron Man. So that's really all I've ever Well, Jack Johnson, didn't the Jack Johnson movie have like kind of a famous soundtrack too? Mm. There was a Jack Johnson like documentary and it had a soundtrack. I'm not sure. I don't know. <clears throat> it was by like a pretty famous, uh, who was it? It's like, who did like, uh, like, um, like birth of the cool and like uh kind of blue i don't know i don't know either of those things so what do you know the song so what i don't think so you don't know so um do you know uh the album giant steps no you don't uh do you know uh the song uh take five i know the candy bar Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. I was trying to bait you into talking about jazz. There, Miles Davis did an album called Jack Johnson, and it's, oh, it was okay. his first foray into jazz fusion. It was like, a, uh, I think uh, John McLaughlin and, and uh, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, Billy Cobham played on it. Chick Corea might have been on that album. Hey, rest in peace, Chick Corea. That's actually good music news. Rest in peace, Chick Corea. He died like two days ago or something. Holy shit. R.I.P. Um, yeah, he was he was on some uh, some Miles records. I've listened Holy to shit. I don't I'm not a huge jazz guy. I've listened to some Miles Davis here and there, and I've listened <laughs> to. Um, like the Getz Gilberto album. 
fight with a girl from Empanema. Does that count as as jazz? Oh, uh, that absolutely counts. Yeah, I'll count yeah. you for that. Yeah. I'm actually learning that on guitar right now. It's super fucking hard. Those jazz chords are hard. I mean, for me, I know you're much more uh, top guitarist, but some of those tempos and, and chords are very hard. They're they're weird as hell, man. But I'm at the level of guitar now where like that's what I'm going for. I've been a. It's actually funny enough. I've been taking lessons again. What? Yeah, as a guitar player of what, fifteen, sixteen years now, I actually started taking lessons again. Wow! And um, it's something I'd highly recommend uh, if you're a guitar player and you're thinking about dropping like a couple hundred bucks on like a new guitar or whatever. Uh, don't fucking do that. Drop a couple hundred bucks on like two months worth of lessons and i swear to god your shitty old guitar will sound way better mm. after those two months of lessons than whatever nice ass guitar you thought you were gonna buy like that i absolutely go take lessons that's that's huge that's really absolutely. good advice actually because i feel like i've leveled out as a guitar player like i don't think i've gotten any better or any worse over the past like three years so did i so did i that's the thing is i've been playing like i said 15 16 years i hit this point where i was like well i guess this is as good as i'm gonna get but then i listen to guys like chon or like steve Vai, animals leaders and i'm like these guys are there's so much more room beyond where i am uh i need someone to show me the way and so i went and started taking lessons again yeah mm -hmm. good. that's good a little yeah. a little advice corner from john pegliasad I. Ready for trivia? I'm ready for trivia. It's time for trivia. All right, first question. What year did the album come out? 2000. Bingo. Uh, where did the name this style come from? It came from a style of artwork from the Netherlands or Dutch. Yeah, that's you got it. You got it. Uh, question number three. What was Jack White's day job before he went full-time musician? He was a furniture reupholster. Yep, that's right. Uh, question number four. Who wrote the song Death Letter? Sunhouse. Eddie James, Sunhouse. That is correct, sir. Next question. Who wrote the song Your Southern Can Is Mine? Blind Willie McTell. That is goddamn right. Okay, final question. Uh, what is the only song that Jack White plays bass on? Oh, shit. We talked about this earlier. Am I allowed to look at the uh, song titles earlier? Yeah. Uh, uh, it was the same one on the violin we talked about, which would make it bound to pack it up. God damn, brother. You were the first guy to get every single one of those right. Dude, it's almost as if I'm a fucking loser who loves the White Stripes a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, hey, you're a winner here. You're a winner on Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords. Thank you. What do I get? Uh, bragging rights? All right, I'll take it. Bragging rights? Um, we're going to... Actually, we're going to slime you one last time. Ooh, we're getting slimed. Okay. All right, here's what we're going to do. Here's the fun part. I'm going to hit you with the fast-paced questions. These are fucking first thing that comes to mind. You're going to tell me what you think. Um... How should someone listen to this album for the first time? Uh, I think that if you have listened to other White Stripes albums before, just be prepared to expect a little something different in terms of tone and vibe, and uh, maybe open up a nice uh, can of beer or a glass of whiskey. And like all other music, I think it really benefits from wearing uh, headphones, like speaker headphones, whether they be Bluetooth or 
straight up headphones, I think you get a lot more out of the production quality if you're sitting down and listening to it with headphones instead of a car speaker or cell phone speaker. Agreed. He actually does do some interesting panning stuff. He mentioned earlier the call and response. He that hits a lot better if you have the stereo headphones on. Yes, um next question. Have you ever listened to this album under the influence? Yes, I have. Tell uh, me about it. Well, I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck. <laughs> no, I think uh, a lot of this music, uh, I think it blues music, uh, you, you have to be, I think it benefits from being fucked up. Uh, whether you're uh, a Delta blues guy from 1930 or you're sitting in 2021 and some girl on Tinder didn't respond to your message, you drink a couple beers or, or light a blunt up or whatever, it's going to hit you a little bit harder. All right, well, tell a drinking story is one of the buzzwords. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, next question. What do you think they were smoking when they made this album? Uh, parliaments. Parliaments, okay. That does seem like a Jack White thing. Doesn't it? Yeah, it's like the white guy trying to be a black blues man. Yeah, I'm just like you guys. <laughs> hey guys I got a hey brothers I got a hot <laughs> in Detroit <laughs> hey have you guys heard of Sun House <laughs> oh, you haven't let me show him to you <laughs> he, he's he's high key so good <laughs> <laughs> okay uh if this album were a beer what would it be oh uh what's the uh Detroit beer um Oh shit! Uh, Milwaukee's best. I was gonna say old Milwaukee, old style, old style, <laughs> old style. Old style. Yeah, I think it'd be one of those domestic uh, pilsners. Yep. Gotta you be. could maybe gotta you could be. maybe you could say it's uh, de Stah. Maybe you could say it's the like a Stella Artois. I'm sure both would work. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. Uh, would you get intimate to this album? Uh, yeah, I'm sure I probably have before in the past, but. Um... Yeah, there's, I'm, well, it is kind of a bummer, depressing album. I don't know. Would you? Yeah, sure. If I was, like, pretty drunk, I'd put it on, not listening to the lyrics. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, uh, once you're fucking, nobody really cares what's on. Unless, yeah, like, no. unless, unless Weird Al comes on or something. Yeah, that would be odd. Um, it'd be funny if you put on Weird Al and like you thought it was like the original version of the song, you didn't realize it was Weird Al. <laughs> yeah, that happens to me with the uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, Flintstones song all the time. I put it on my, <laughs> I put it on my life on my my life songs playlist, and the the guitar riff is so good. It's like perfect perfect pitch and everything. It's like sometimes I feel like the city I live in. I'm like, oh no, it's Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good because we I, i'm pretty sure the episode before this one was rhcp blood sugar sex magic and we went deep on that song so this is a perfect segue um next question are numbers created or discovered oh well if you've uh, studied the ancient maths of the arabic as i have you would know that there are, uh, I don't know, they're, um, they are discovered, right? There's a map to the universe, you would say, if you watched a Christopher Nolan movie. What, what movie is that? I don't know, like Interstellar. There's, so Matthew McConaughey 
interstellar yeah he loves he loves to drive his lincoln and he loves to talk about math dude that guy does love driving a lincoln i love that post that he did yesterday of I just love driving or whatever. And he's sitting in his car <laughs> and uh, somebody said it was a Thomas post. It does look just like a Leno killer post. <laughs> okay. Um, does a man with one lung get more high or less high off of a single bong rip? He gets uh, less high. How come? There's less uh, space to puff the smoke, right? And so he can't get as much into his bloodstream. Because but it's have... the same size bong rip, so it's like twice as much smoke in the one lung. I think you just would cough more, wouldn't you? Maybe. Yeah. It's a philosophy question. I don't know. I haven't smoked weed in like four years. That's 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 real. That's yeah. some adult shit. Yeah. Um. Here's another. Okay, this is kind of a. This is one I've been prototyping. Let me see if I can remember this one. There's a train um, leaving the station. And... <laughs> it's yeah, it's doing. There's a train going from Buffalo to the New York City. And it's like, okay, the New um, York City, the new, <laughs> the Big Apple. Oh, Mamma Mia! Um, Motor City. That's Detroit. Yes, um, oh, how many of the buzzwords have we hit so far? Uh, so far you've hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13. Out of 20. Out of 20. You did pretty good, right, actually, thanks. so far. Uh, let me see if I can bait you into yeah. another one real quick. Um, is is uh, Meg White blood relative of Jack White? No, she's not. She is a uh, wife of his. And they uh, said that they were brother and sister to sort of fuck with the paparazzi, I think, and to sort of i don't know i actually found like a an interview with them when i was looking stuff up today on wikipedia and they basically said that like uh they just messed created it because they started getting attention and they never really wanted attention for the music or for for anything besides their music and so they were just like yeah we were brother and sister and then people like dug into them or whatever and found that they actually were married um <laughs> But they, he had a really nice quote. I, I wanted to bring this up earlier, where he says, like, in the end, 20 years from now, the only thing that matters about any band is if the music was good. And I was like, damn, it's been 21 years since that album came out. We're fucking talking about it right now. Yeah, I was going to say, man, that's something that kind of blew me away is when I saw the year 2000 on this. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, that was like a while ago. But, like, I had to take a step back and say that was literally more than 20 years ago i got super bummed out thinking today that 2011 was 10 years ago yeah that's wild i feel like 2011 was like three years ago yeah i fucking hate getting old <clears throat> it's nuts man it hit me when i realized like in rainbows was 10 years old which that was already like three four years ago is when in rainbows turned 10 and i was like holy fuck i remember downloading that album yeah. And like wearing a t-shirt around my fucking high school with the fucking Radiohead. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy, man. Um, well, dude, that wraps it up. That's all my questions for you. Okay. <clears throat> that is it, bro. Let me run you through the buzzwords for this week. Okay. Uh, first one, mention the black keys you got. Okay. Uh, use an onomatopoeia you got. Nailed it. Uh, talk about your middle school music taste you got. Bingo. 
Mention Led Zeppelin, you got. Jackpot. Uh, name a specific guitar or bass, you got. Home run. Mention a band that you have been in, you got. Right. Uh, refer to an album made post 1990s or record you did not get. Hmm. Uh, use the phrase ahead of its time you did not get. Yeah, I fucked you over on that one, bitch. That's true. That's true. Recite lyrics, though. You definitely got. Oh, yeah. Uh, mention Led Zeppelin Part 2. Yeah, you got that as well. Um, <laughs> you say the term raw. You used that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, say the word drink you got. Mention a part of a drum kit. Actually, did you do that? No, I, I think you brought. Well, uh, yeah. When we did, when you talked, when we talked about the rim shot thing, I think I said it, the sticks on the rim of the okay. drum during hell operator. So okay, we'll, we'll we'll do that one. We'll do that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell the drinking story you got. Sure. Uh, describe a sound as warm you did not get. That's interesting. I guess I'm trying to think. Some of those songs are kind of warm. I'd say that I'm trying to pack it up. That's a warm feeling. Yeah, or like uh sister, you know my name is yeah. kind of like warm, like yeah. Yeah. I'll uh I'll just mark it for you, fuck it. Okay. Um mention a music video. Actually, did you mention a music video at the very beginning? I feel like you did. Did I? I could be I could be totally misremembering that, but I feel like you you said something about like you watched a video of them playing I watched, or something. I watched live live performance of the of live performances of them. But the funny That's thing is, what it is the funny okay. thing is that there's no there's no music video from this album. And uh their only live performance where they play like songs from this is on like a local Detroit like news like extra edition special report type show that's very funny where they're playing one of these songs at the end while like it says like producer uh, camera operator like the credits are playing <laughs> over them while they while they're playing songs from this album because like i said like nothing really got popular until like the next year they went on jules holland and they went on conan o'brien and they kind of blew up after that mm. makes sense yeah all right Next one is a joke about Meg being Jack's sister. I don't think we did you that. Never, you never joked about it. No. I would never, because she's my queen. And I would That's never right. disrespect my queen. That's right. She's your Khaleesi. She's so, she's my babe. She's a, she's a babe. She's your uh, Kamala Harris. Yes, I stand. I'm in the K-Hive. <laughs> I'm in the K-Hive. I'm in the, I'm in the Meg Hive. The Meg, the Meg Bitchel Hive. <laughs> hey, whoa, hey, come on. Hey, whoa. All right. Oh, Back it in. Hey, let's get a little, little sock, hey. little out of Delta Dagger after dark. All right, all right. Never mind, never mind. I didn't say that. Okay. Uh, talk about jazz you got. Uh, say vintage you did not get. Wow. Yeah. I get. That's strange. That seems, I feel like uh, I, I broke. <laughs> I'm so fat that I broke a piece of antique furniture at my at my uh, stepfather's house this last week, and oh, <laughs> and I keep calling it vintage furniture instead of antique furniture. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, so, oh yeah, I sat on that that vintage bed frame and cracked the wood on it. My, my bad. <laughs> Fuck, that's funny. Mm-hmm. The final one is mentioned punk, which you did. Oh, so yeah. that gives you a grand total of five eights. Uh, 23, 
Sorry. What? I think we're at like 15. 5, 10. Yeah, 15. Yeah. 15. Hell yeah, dude. Has That's anybody, right, man. Has anybody ever gotten all of them? Yes. Uh, the episode I just released, uh, episode number five with, or episode number six with Chris Sharma, where he did the Descendants album, Mila Goes to College, he hit all 20. Okay. Yeah, he hit all 20, but I'll say this. He did not get the drunkest out of all my people. Uh, there's one which I forget if it's the next one I'm going to release or the one that's two from now. But my buddy Jack McCain came on the program and did a. Uh, uh, what fucking band did he do? Catfish in the Bottle Men. And he surprised me on air by being like hey just you know i'm gonna be taking a shot for every one of these motherfuckers oh I get. no and he literally finished an entire fifth of i think tequila and then started on like at least one Coors light oh no yeah dude is he that was dead fucking uh, i mean he's still out there man he's still thriving <laughs> i uh bro i used to play bass for him uh and bro there was this night where i went and played bass for him i don't remember half the show i brought two wine bottles to that show and i think Jesus. i finished one of them before we even actually played and finished the second one during our set and i'm sure people were feeding me beers and shit and <laughs> shots or whatever in between my roommates found me uh talking to this girl uh after the set and i was telling her that i had a phd i kept telling her like yeah i have a phd i'm a phd student and i kept saying it but i was never like i never got to the punchline because the punchline they told me the next day like yeah for some reason you kept saying that you have a phd and pretty, i was like oh, pretty fuck. huge dick is that the punchline yeah that's Kanye. exactly what that means the classic Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that's great exactly mama loves a working man yeah i'm a responsible adult <laughs> but for whatever reason i just thought that <laughs> fuck i mean that's basically jack white is uh is steve martin in in the jerk <laughs> yeah, that's <He's>... right <laughs> I, I was born a poor black boy <laughs> you know what i was laughing about the other day uh was um have you seen walk hard yeah <laughs> when he fucking goes into the, the first time he's doing craig robinson songs in that black blues club and he like walks up on stage with the guitar and he's like you know my my woman kicked me out of bed the other night <laughs> <laughs> and all these black people are like what the fuck and he's like you got to love a negro man <laughs> and like he fucking starts doing it like pitch perfect and so he wins over the crowd or whatever but just his fucking like uh black entertainer like lisp is so funny it's like you know i was out there night and this black woman she caught me in a bed the other night <laughs> john c Riley is the fucking go honestly he's so good he's so fucking funny man that movie it's yeah, like... that movie's so great it, it really is man that's a fucking classic right there it it uh they do such a good job lampooning just every music movie ever. I saw that in theaters. It was like one of the first R-rated <laughs> movies I saw in theater. It, 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 it's a classic and it holds up. <laughs> it's a classic, man. It is really good. Fuck. Well, I think that about wraps it up, man. Do you have any uh, parting words about this album? Uh, like I said, I think um. It's not probably the best White Stripes album, but it is my favorite. 
and um, I think it's a solid breakup album. And if you know what's going on with the White Stripes at that time and Meg and Jack White, I think uh, it's maybe their most personal album. And I love it. And I love you, John. And I love everybody in the audience. And I hope everybody enjoys listening to the album and loving the White Stripes. Oh, dude, I I love you too, Luke. Thanks, Thank you. Tom. Thank you for coming on the program. Thank you for sharing this with us. Um, once again, check out at Always Humpin' on Twitter and uh, Big Softy Music, uh, everywhere music is streamed or sold. Hell yeah. Uh, that is it. Have a good couple of weeks here, guys. Uh, we will see you next time. Bye. This has been a Redefining Records production.